The computer is planted in my mouth. I am looking through the archives of inconceivable conflict. Oh no, it seems this information is not intended for me. Hello and welcome to Reality Bites episode 118. Now with space! Space! I'm in space! For the week of November 4th, 2014, this is a Curious Studios production. We are your hosts, Lauren Law. Rofaxen. And Slothen. Bringing you the death of space, or a death in space, or space in death, or some combination of death, incitedness, and space. And now it is time to tell you that if you'd like to sponsor this show or any other show made at Kira Studios, you can click on the donation button found at the top of the Kira Studios page. Again, thank you for sponsoring our show. And because it has been some time, I have to say it as well. Time for a bit of banter! So, Rofaxon, it has been a week since we have discussed and or talked about anything, kind of, though we tried to talk over the weekend, but it didn't work. Anyway, so, how are you doing, and what have you been up to? I'm fine, and I've been playing a little more Agrarian Skies. Of course, uh, there's the Agrarian Skies on the YouTube channel with uh, Slothin and I. Just go to YouTube and search for Rofaxon channel, but I was playing my own independent individual world and i finally made a great wood sapling and damn that was complicated so i'm actually going to put up a a walkthrough for it it's actually a three-part walkthrough because i don't want to walk through the tag on for like three and a half hours so they'll be coming up short or those will be coming up shortly but yeah i've been playing probably far too much agrarian skies other than that i've been switching launchers for android because I'm, I'm kind of boring, and I switch launchers for Android a lot. So, uh, I'm sure there is more, but I, I really can't remember it. You know, just taking kinda, care of the baby besides that. I kind of want to just wipe Android and get paranoid Android on my phone. Sounds fun. You could. Okay. Certainly um, something to try. So, when you say a great wood, do you mean like the thing that's like four, two by two? Uh, yes. Oh, okay, yes. so you're... You're not talking a redwood. No, a great wood. The magically infused wood. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but you have to get an infusion altar and all this other stuff. And oh. Be incredibly careful if you ever get a sapling for a redwood. And be sure to plant it far away from your base. Uh, oh, are those those giant, giant, giant trays? Yes. yes. Yeah. Um, there's a Those world, awesome. my original uh, Sky Factory world is uh, no longer usable because I planted a couple of those, <laughs> not Oof. knowing what they were. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then I tried to kill them with lava. That was a bad idea. Yeah, it would be a bad idea. So now the platform's made of wood, isn't it? So now there's a mountain Yeah. because I then covered the lava with water. It's an interesting multi-tiered <laughs> mountain cave thing. Oh dear. <laughs> uh, you know, that's yeah, one way to that's one way to get yourself some more area space. Yeah, yeah. I'll do it. It's just not a that's good true. way. True. Alright, well, Slothin, since you're talking, anything else you've been up to? Uh, well, I was in an accident today. I noticed you're missing Ooh. some limbs. No. I have oh. all my limbs. I thought you had eight arms. No, I ate arms. Oh. That's not the same thing as having eight arms. I see. No, 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 no. 
My cannibalism is not a limb. I'm not a cannibal. That was a joke. But yeah, got whacked in the side of the car by another car's front. Totally not my fault. That sucks. Yeah. It I think it improved. The, I think it improved the car though. It looks a lot better. Streamlined, you know. No. <laughs> Thoroughly entertaining situation though. Just, just yeah, because yesterday I was bragging about how I had not been in any accidents. This is why you should never talk about it. <laughs> this is why I hesitate to mention anything about my driving. Mm. Yeah. Because it really matters. I drive. I have a car. I don't leave much, but yeah. Anyway, um... Fuck! What? NASA chief calls ISS, talks crab cakes, and gets advised. As you do. Okay. Don't look okay. at the other news stories. <laughs> Whatever. Anyway, uh, what have I been up to? I am nearly finished with the second novel. It's, uh, about done to be reviewed. Probably get done tomorrow. Hopefully. That'd be great. And then I'll publish again! The lore and law strikes again. Anyway, I think that's about all I've been doing. I, I spent a lot of the weekend with Sloth and drinking and watching random movies. Oh yeah, that happened. What did we watch? What was um, the first one? Weird Science. No, that was not the first one. Really? We watched The Craft. You're right, we did watch The Craft. Shark gifts. Shark gifts everywhere. <laughs> See, then the next day, Weird Science and... Blah, blah, blah. Uh, Galaxy Quest. Yeah. Which is actually a really good movie. Weird Science, not so much. Maybe a little amusing. Weird Science. <laughs> but uh, Galaxy Quest, if you haven't seen it, that's a really good movie. I, mm. I'd seen it previously, but... If you like Star Trek... I have, I have seen it. I yeah. did not think it was a good movie. No? Yeah, uh, you're, you're not a fan of the original series, though, are you? Uh, uh, no, they're okay. It's okay. Meaning I you don't like it? Good. No, no, I don't like Space Nine. That's horrible. Deep Space Nine yeah. is great. Uh, well, See, this no. is when you're going to get a fight. I have enjoyed episodes of Deep Space Nine, but as a whole, I don't think it is as good as The Next Generation or even Voyager. Next That's my Generation is by far my favorite, followed it, by the original series, which, I mean, it really did have some good episodes in it. I see, mean, that, Trouble with Tribbles kind of saved the entire series, <laughs> because I, that was awesome. Well, I, I, if I were to categorize, it would be Next Generation, Original Series, Voyager, Deep Space Nine, Enterprise. Enterprise is just horrible. Probably Fun better. fact, in a survey of people on the wiki for the... Memory Alpha, which is the Star Trek wiki, the shows with the the best episodes were DS9 and Voyager. DS9 had some really fantastic episodes. That doesn't say they're the best series. No. I don't know. I think I rank them probably... Um, ooh. Next Generation, probably DS9, then Voyager, then Original Series, then... Enterprise. See, I think I rank uh, the original series higher simply because I grew up with it. Because I'm old. And it's awesome. And they, I don't know, things were newer. There were... Yeah, it was so original. In the, I mean, it was actually legitimately original in the original series. And Spock was cool. Well, I mean, no, no, if you generation. go back... 
is what I was talking about. Well, I was talking about the, the original uh, series, ranking it oh. higher than... It, it's my second. Oh. Okay. Because I grew up with it. Oh, okay. I well, I just, I just think it really was the first one. Even Next Generation, which is by far my favorite, brought in more, I think, more interesting points and um, more science-based points than the original one did on occasion. <laughs> on occasion. I mean, sort of. You on know, occasion. You At can least watch... the results of and what counts as life. I think that's a really good question that scientists are currently asking today. And I mean... The original series did the same thing. They did the questions and quandaries about racism and everything like that. But, you know, I used to watch, like, the old sci-fi shows, like Lost in Space. They really didn't. It was a Monster of the Week show. Yeah. Who's your favorite focal point character of the show? Which one? And by that, my, I mean focal point as in the, the character that, I don't know, that the heart of the show. Like, in the fir- the original series, it was Spock. In Next Generation, it was Data. In Voyager, it ends up being Kess and Neelix, but nobody liked them, so they yeah. replaced them with uh, Seven of Nine. Yes, they did. In Deep Space Nine, it was Odo. Odo, absolutely. Odo and Quark. Ah, not so much Quark. Eh, a little bit of a uh, what's-his-face, too. You know, the, I don't, the I tailor. don't actually... I yeah, don't think I completely agree. You don't? Just you... because... I don't think Data was the center of the next generation. I mean, I'll I'll give you Spock, and I'll bow to your expertise in the other ones, because they're all horrible. <laughs> they're not horrible, I just hate Deep Space Nine. But I don't know if I would say Data was the most focal point character of uh, Next Generation. I thought they did a really good job not having they, a focal point they character. Did. But it, a you, lot of the you time, can't it, say it, Picard it, was less important than no, no, Data. no, no. They were all important. However, the majority of the episodes, when they needed to discuss what is a human and humanity, mm-hmm. they would talk about it uh, with the other characters. But mostly, we would focus on Data and how he interpreted it. Yeah, it's like the way we study humanity by studying lab rats. Only in each of the show, the study of humanity was in this character. And because they're not technically human. Or... Okay, so if you're asking about the study of humanity, maybe, but I mean that does not. And that's sum the point of the show. Of well, the next okay, the, the original is. series is not about Spock, though it is about Spock. It, it, it's about the three friendship, the three people friendship of Spock, Bones, and Kirk. That's what that's about. Uh, no matter what is happening, it is about one of those three or all together. Yeah. It's it's all about friendship. Next Generation, the focal point will go to almost anyone on the ship, which was really cool. But I would say the majority of the time, they did focus on Data. They did do other stories with other people, but a lot of the time it was a Data story, or Data was very important to everything. For yeah, some I think, reason. I think Data was very important, but... I just don't think that the the other characters can be underemphasized. Like, one of my favorite episodes ever, and I love Data, he's one of my favorite characters, didn't even have Data on it, and it was the one with the flute, maybe it's called the flute, where... That's the Picard, light. The light, that's what it's called. All right, that, that was all about emotions Picard. and interactions and, and how people deal with each other and how we make our reality. And, and it, it didn't even a... really involve the ship. No, it didn't involve the ship. It didn't involve the ship, it didn't involve data, it didn't it didn't involve anybody. But I think that's such a huge 
uh, development. For inner light. Inner light. Inner light. Yes, that's what it's called. Yeah, inner light. That was just such a huge just development of Picard. I think they did a lot of character development with Picard. You know, his friendship well, with Riker, his friendship with Data, the thing he had with Beverly. Well, I mean, I, inner light really stands alone on itself. You don't need to know really anything about Star Trek to watch that. No, you don't even have to like science fiction. No, it's just an interesting developing society story. And it is one of my favorites there. And I think that's another huge theme, which I think Picard has pulled into more. How do we, as humans, interact with alien worlds? And not just alien worlds, but how do we, as humans, interact with other humans? Well, or at least other rational beings, because he gets pulled into a lot of the things like that. How do we interact in situations? So, I don't know. I feel like Picard was so integral in so many of those episodes. I, I wouldn't say it's a study of humanity through data all the time. And I mean, it is. The, all the characters have, you know, pivotal moments and everything, but yeah. I think, I think they've, uh, they try to use Worf a lot, but none of his stories really stuck with me. I didn't yeah, really I like, like them. Story. I know. I always I, liked Worf though. I know you did. And when I was younger, I did too, but uh, watching them again, I don't really like his stuff. It seems silly most of the time to me. I like what they tried to do, but I don't think they accomplished what they were set out to do. But anyway, we've been talking about Star Trek for about 15 minutes now. This is not a Star Trek show. <laughs> but speaking of space, hey, Rofaxen, first news story of the night. Yes, the first news story of the night is about Captain Picard and Data. Absolutely. No, a Virgin Galactic spaceship crash caps terrible week for commercial space flight. This is actually a sad story. The burgeoning field, uh, oops, the burgeoning field of commercial space flight suffered two serious blows this week. The bad news began on Tuesday, the 28th, when Orbital Sciences Corp, Orbital Science Corps. Antares rockets exploded just seconds after blasting off uh, on an unmanned cargo mission to the International Space Station for NASA. Then on Friday, Antares. I'm sorry. I read everything and I don't like watch it, so I can't pronounce anything. Uh, Then on Friday, the third October 31st, Virgin Galactus Spaceship Two crashed. Galactus. Galactics. Virgin Galactics. Sorry, I know how to say that one. I just can't talk. Uh, Spaceship 2 crashed during a test flight. One of the two pilots aboard was killed and the other injured, apparently seriously. Yep. The causes of the two accidents are unclear at the moment, and so are the consequences, but the fallout could be huge for Orbital Sciences, Virgin Galactic, and the entire private spaceflight industry, which has been building up some serious momentum over the past several years years yeah um this goes on i don't think it's really necessary to read the whole article Uh, this well was sad and the virgin one i heard more about you know the the they think maybe the pilot pulled the little flutter things too fast or maybe dennett i mean it's all under investigation what we know is in one week we lost two spaceships and 
that's really tragic because one of the pilots died, and you know that's somebody losing their life, which is which is a bad bad thing. Well, the the uh, Virgin Galactic, um, I have heard tell that they are not as well equipped as they claim a lot of the time, and they're just riding on the seat of their pants a lot of the time just because they're trying to catch up with. Uh, was it Spaceship X? SpaceX. Or SpaceX? Yeah. And so they keep trying. But uh, the other one, though, uh, there I, I don't remember what it was exactly, but it was uh, ditched by the controller because there was yeah. something wrong with it. Yeah, and they it was unmanned, and it was it was made just to go up there and you know restock the uh, ISS. But that is unfortunate as well. The only thing I worry about this though is people, especially with the Virgin Galactic one, which I I guess their plans are to have like space tourism. I've already heard comments like, no, you're having stupid space tourism. That doesn't help science, and people are dying, and it's horrible, and we should stop. And I feel like there could really be a chilling effect on the market when you see like these two spaceships flow, fly up there, and everybody like tries to get laws passed and regulations and everything else because they think that like the private industry can't handle space travel. Well, Elon Musk is not Elon Musk. Uh, what's the other guy? Shit, can't remember his name. The guy that owns Virgin. He's got his own no. island. He can launch off of there if he wants. Well, okay, he can't really, though. <laughs> I mean, maybe technically, but if he's like, we've got a billion rules and you're not, you're not allowed to do this anymore, that would definitely be bad for business. And it's just, we've just been making such strides in, like, reusable rockets and all this technology we're doing for space. It's going to be hard for people to see like a major setback like this, um, and I think it would be a shame if we sort of just abandoned our desires to go into space because of these tragedies. So I don't know. I'm kind of worried. What do you guys think? Are are we going to have a push for like really strict regulations and private industry? Is this you know something people are going to say we can't have? People send people up into space. We have to have to have the government do it. Well, I have heard many people panicking about it, uh, the privatization of it, simply because they don't trust individuals to do it. But, you know, individuals put it up even if they're part of a government. It doesn't matter. We can have as much oversight as you want, and problems will happen. We lost people in our space shuttles, the NASA space shuttles. That has happened. Losses happen when we try to go to space. It is inevitable. It is sad, but inevitable. And in uh, every other industry, we have people. That's true as, as well. well. But uh, I don't know if authors do or not. We don't seem to, you know, die because mm. of writing. But you know, it could happen. <laughs> no, just issues, you know, having to do with sedentary lifestyles. Oh, this is true. why I stand up and run and stretch all the time. Well, yeah, okay, you've got a pretty good career to not get killed. But I'm just saying, you know, race car drivers probably get hurt, too. Or, you know, people who work in steel industry or stuff like that. Absolutely. And it's unfortunate. You know, it'd be great if every job was safer than it is, but it, unfortunately it's not. And I don't I just worry a little bit that people are really going to try to get regulation and stuff through, and I think that, like... You know, even Virgin, if it's 
if it's catering to insane rich people, that still advances the technology, and I like to see more competition. I don't want SpaceX to be the only company that exists. Right, but I mean, if it, even in our fiction that we enjoy so much, is the, you know, in Star Trek, is that a government uh, branch or something? No. Yeah, or is that privatized? Yeah. No, I well, don't think it's privatized. Starfleet, Starfleet is, is a is a government entity, but there are yeah. other people making ships. It's not just Starfleet, and but they the they make the badass ships, whereas everyone else is crappy ships. No, not the other ships aren't. They quite make as good, ships they? that specifically shoot things. Most other people are generally making science vessels or that freighters. Are just and yeah, science vessels and freighters are basically get stuff from point A to point B or put this someplace for a very long period of time and study a very specific phenomena. Though the Starfleet yeah, but has most... those science ships. Yeah, basically. I was going to say. Yeah, it has them too. I think it has the lion's share of them. It has the lion's share of, you know, the Federation. I think the Star Trek universe, it does utopian... It was written... It was written during the time of NASA booming. Yeah, but know? and I I think that's very obvious because the Star Trek universe is one where the government becomes ridiculously powerful and uses its power for good, and then everybody else gets trickle down technology. I don't think that's actually the way it's going to go. I think the privatization of space travel is where we're really going to take off, and you know let the free market make the decisions of what succeeds and what fails. I think realistically, you know, uh, Star Trek is fiction. I think realistically that's how we're going to get ahead in the whole space travel game. Probably, because you got more minds working on it instead of just one facility doing the lowest right. bidder kind of stuff. Right. Well, it's but not the lowest bidder, it's worse than that. Whoever your friends is, better. All right, let's move on to the next news story, which is me. It says, NASA finishes building its Mars-bound Orion spacecraft. So, yay, a happy news story, right? Yes. Humanity is one step closer to reaching Mars. NASA finishes up its Orion spacecraft Thursday and is prepping for a test flight on December 4th. When Orion launches in December aboard the Delta IV heavy rocket, it will complete a 4.5-hour two-orbit test flight. Uh, the flight will really put Orion to the test. NASA says the spacecraft will return to Earth at speeds of more than 20,000 miles per hour. Those speeds will generate temperatures up to 4,000 degrees Fahrenheit, the agency says. In the future, missions or missions Orion will be used as part of NASA's space launch system, the world's most powerful rocket. The SLS will be the vehicle of choice to make astronauts to take astronauts to an asteroid, and on to Mars. This is just the first of what will be a long line of exploration missions beyond low-Earth orbit, and in a few years we will be sending our astronauts to destinations humans have never experienced, said Bill Hill, a Deputy Associate Administrator for Exploration System Development. For those of you who might like a hands-on look at Orion, NASA has put together a printable kit for creating a desk model of your own. Finally, don't forget to sign up and have your name aboard on the December 4th test flight. Ha ha ha! Yeah. So, yay. Uh, NASA seems to still be pushing forward, which is great. Oh, I think that's great, because the original plan is to send it to Mars, right? Uh, 
Well, so far we're testing it, but it, it looks like it said to an asteroid and then on to Mars. So eventually we'll get... And you know, I can't help but think it's because of this SpaceX initiative that they're going to be on Mars that the government's kind of like, oh, hey, don't forget about us. We don't want to be left behind. Instead you know, this of... Is, uh, go ahead, Slothin. I was going to say, instead of a race with Russia, it's a race with the market. Yeah, it is. And that's great. I mean, I don't know who's going to get there first and it really doesn't matter. It's, you know, giving NASA a little bit of motivation to make sure that they stay on top. So I think that's a really exciting news story. All right, Slothin. Finally, it's your turn. Stronger artificial muscles will make robots seem more human. Human. Ray Baufman a, pro Baufman, a professor of chemistry and director of the Nanotech Institute at the University of Texas at Dallas, recalls seeing a beautiful woman across the room while at a conference in South Korea. The closer he got, the more disturbed he became. That was ever a humanoid robot, he told me. Ever's creators had done a pretty good job of emulating the human form, but she didn't have enough muscles in her face to smile naturally. That's just the sort of subtle imperfection that makes robots seem more creepy than friendly. Yeah. Artificial muscles that have the capacity to transform robots and prosthetic devices, but they're surprisingly hard to make. Researchers have been trying for years to have them contract and release quickly enough, and while still being flexible and not brittle. They've tried lots of different structures, from fishing wire that stretches to a rubber cylinder that can be electrical, electrically stimulated to contract. But one of the most few... Yeah, futurizing feeling concept is the idea of gel-based muscle, which could completely reshape the way we think about muscle packaging, if anyone ever builds a strong enough one to last. Japanese researchers published a study this month, earlier this month in the journal Nature Communications about a new hydrogel, or a network of synthetic molecules that can expand by absorbing water. What they say could be used as an artificial muscle, even if they're not ready to be implemented in the field. Traditionally, gels have been used by researchers in many fields because the preparation of gels is very easy. A professor of molecular engineering wrote in an email, <laughs> but he and his team have found a way to strengthen the gels, which should inspire other researchers to find different applications. They note in their paper that while hydrogels have the potential to be employed in artificial muscles, their brittleness must be reduced before they can be used in these applications, adding that their new method of developing gel can lead to significant improvements in their durability. Yep, gelatinous muscles. Squeezy, squeezy, floppy, floppy. But again, advancements in prosthetics. If this well, works. I don't care. I mean, advancements in prosthetics, that's, you know, whatever, that's cool. I mean, I start playing not against it. More <laughs> humanoid robots. I think that's cool. I, you know, pretty soon. You're just wanting a sex butt, aren't you? <laughs> that's right. Sex robot. Sex robot. Um, it would Where not does have he that come from? <laughs> what does he want? Sex. He'll no, but... the bars. Okay, we can stop. But seriously, I think the idea of more human-looking robots is pretty cool. And well, especially... that means they can replace humans easier for jobs that we don't want to do and or well, yeah. it's cheaper to have them use, which means more people will be out of jobs. Think about, think about the service. Oh, we'll make new jobs. Think That's what they the... always say. There, there's and like a generation gap. Do. There's like a ge There's going to be a generation gap. And as the process like quickens to replace humans, less and less jobs will be had. 
well, we've had this argument on Reality Bites. I don't know the episode, but listen to all of those and you can find it. I think that we will find new things that we want to do and can make into jobs. But well, yeah, I, no, I, I no like my job, but it's not paying that well, I'm saying. And well, you're probably yeah. not going to get a machine to replace that. Yeah, you will. They already have yeah, machines will. that are writing articles. articles. I, think that's, I think that's so cool. And, you know... This could be the next uh, teller at, what are they called, cashier at Starbucks. She could be friendly, have a nice smile. Barista, yeah, that's what they prefer to be called. I call them cashiers. (laughs) Um, And it's very insulting. I'm a very mean-spirited person. No, but it could be the next barista at Starbucks. You know, she's got a nice smile. She's always there on time. But she has no lower half, so... <laughs> no, that would be weird. No, because, you know, you could even see her walking around and grabbing... You have to walk around and grab the coffee. It just Actually, it makes it feel more human. It would just be easier to project a person behind there on, like, a screen and have them look like they're walking around making you coffee and it's just being made by yeah. machines and they place it in front of you when they're done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to say. The, the, the thing is, I think a robot that you could have a tactile experience with would be... <laughs> no, I'm not talking about sex. sex I'm not robot. talking about sex, sex bots. But there's a lot of very subtle tactile movements. You know, the person at Starbucks hands you a coffee and you pick it up, and you know that's a thing. And I just think, and she could go and clean the um. And see, this I I think pe- robots are going to be close to people because I'm referring to this theoretical robot with a human pronoun. But she could clean the um. The seating area, too, because that's something a barista has to do. I think it's really exciting that that we are getting to the point where where we could talk to robots. Because AI is going to come along, and it's going to be really good eventually. It sucks now. It, but when it does, there will be a huge barrier because we don't want to talk to the weird, creepy robot thing. And this gets over that hurdle. So I think this is exciting technology. I'm amused how you keep calling the servile robot female. Oh, man, you're sexist. (laughs) Um, I refer to most, uh, what what would it be called, random people in hypothetical situations as female. So you're sexist towards men. No. Yes, I'm sexist towards men. That's a huge problem in the world. All of his hypotheticals are women. You know what that says about him? No, I don't. Yeah, what? What? That all of his hypotheticals are women. Ha ha, I just got it. It huh. just says that. Alright, well, I suppose we should move on to the next one. And no, it is yours, Rofaxon. How is it? A single fiber strand could carry the world's internet traffic. That's a lot. Researchers in the U.S. and... I almost said researchers in the U.S. and Neanderthals. (laughs) And Neanderthals. Researchers in the U.S. and Netherlands have managed to transmit data at 255 TBPS. Terabytes per second. Terabytes per second? Really? 255 terabytes per second. Wow. Across a single strand of fiber cable over a kilometer, about 2,500 times faster than any commercial fiber. Wow. They used a so-called multi-core cable with seven separate channels, but the hardware alone didn't account for the speed. They also squeezed 50 carriers down to seven cores, cranking each one up to 5.1 terabytes per second. 
um, using spatial multiplexing. None of that tech alone is new, but the net result of that was 255 terabytes per second. 31.8 terabytes per second. What? That doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make sense. Hmm. I don't know. Not enough to handle the world's peak internet traffic, according to Extreme Tech. Hold on. Hold on. A single fiber strand could carry the world's internet traffic. Yeah, not enough to handle the world's peak internet traffic. All right, just making sure I read that right. Don't expect a speed boost at home anytime soon. There's no way to mass produce the cables yet. Oh, current, of course. Uh, current infrastructure. Well, they'll get around that. And current infrastructure wouldn't support it anyway. That's a huge one. But at least you can look forward to a day when you could download all 317,060 movies in the IMDb in two and a half hours. You can't download movies from the IMDb. Yeah, you it's can't. Just stupid. They're well, listing. I know. But the IMDb paid them. The movie download system didn't. Oh, all right, that's that's cool. That's neat. Um, it, it's just, it's kind of mind-boggling because I'm getting, like, horrible, horrible internet traffic. I can't even imagine a terabyte connection speed. No, that would be crazy. 55 terabytes. Ridiculous. That's All right. Cool. Next news story, then. DNA can carry current, a promising step forward or toward molecular electronics. The promise of molecular electronics gets hoisted up the flagpole periodically, but now an international team of researchers based out of the Hebrew University of Jerusalem claim to have made a breakthrough with DNA molecules that they believe may be the most significant development in the last decade of molecular electronic research. <gasps> they didn't have a comma. Uh, in research publishing in the journal Nature Nanotechnology, an international group of researchers hailing from Cyprus, Denmark, Italy, Spain, and the United States has demonstrated that the electric current can be transmitted through long DNA molecules. They believe that this demonstration could lead to development of DNA-based electronic circuits. Much research has focused on making DNA circuits. For instance, scientists have explored schemes in which DNA would serve as a kind of circuit board or scaffold for precisely assembling electronic components at resolutions as small as 6 nanometers. But so far, it's all been without much success. DNA was thought to be a promising basis for molecular circuits because of its ability to self-assemble in various structures. But a big stumbling block has been that no one has been able to measure reliably or quantitatively the flow of current through a molecule. While other research has been able to produce transport uh, measurements of currents through DNA, the results have appeared contradictory at times because of the differences in measured molecules and experimental setups. In the latest work, the researchers were able to measure reliably and reproducibly currents ranging from tens of picoamperes pico pico to more than 100 PA over distances ranging from tens of nanometers to more than 100 nanometers. This research, this research paves the way for implementing DNA-based programmable circuits for molecular electronics, a new generation of computer circuits that can be more sophisticated, cheaper, and simpler to make, said Danny Parath, a professor at Hebrew University of Jerusalem, in a press release. While there is no doubt an important development, there are still huge obstacles that remain for molecular electronics to ever be realized. Perhaps the biggest remaining issue is how to maintain the stability of mo molecules under typical integrated circuit processing conditions. In particular, the propensity of direct vapor deposit uh, depositions of metallic electrodes onto molecules to result in shorts. 
We are likely to see this research have an impact on stability during manufacturing and other issues. Uh, if you just put it in a vacuum sealed container, maybe? I don't know. Probably not because it would still vaporize, wouldn't it? Electronics produce heat, which produces vapor if it is a biological and molecular build, perhaps? But they're saying they can build with this small, tiny thing, so you can make little circuits using the DNA. It wouldn't have to be anything biological at that stage, right? I don't know. No one has any idea what I'm saying, do they? <laughs> yeah. Just can't answer you. Are you tired? A little, yeah. Oh no, Slothin's dying! Yeah, I was just dozing a bit. Rofaxin, any thoughts? Um, no. That sounds oh. interesting. Okay. Um, yeah, we'll have to keep an eye on that technology, see where it goes. Slothin, I will biggie-size this for you. It is time for you to read this important news story. Arachnophobia chopped out of man's brain. Scared of the dark, terrified of terrified of heights, spiders make you scream. For the first time, a person's lifelong phobia has been completely abolished overnight. Unfortunately, it requires removing a tiny bit of the man's brain. For, so for now, most people have to find another one to dis, another way to dispel their fears. <laughs> the photo was abolished by the phobia was abolished by accident. A 44-year-old businessman started having seizures out of the blue. Brain scans showed he had an abnormality in his left amygdala, an area in the temporal lobe involved in emotional reactions, among other things. Among other things. Further tests showed that the cause was sarcoidosis, a rare condition that causes damage to the lungs, skin, and occasionally the brain. The doc doctors decided it was necessary to remove the man's damaged left amygdala. The surgery went well, but soon after the man noticed a strange turn of events. Not only did he have a per peculiar stomach-lurching aversion to music, which was particularly noticeable when he heard the song accompanying a certain TV advert, but he also discovered he was no longer afraid of spiders. While his aversion to music waned over time, his arachnophobia never returned. Before the surgery, he would throw tennis balls at spiders or use hairspray to immobilize them before vacuuming them up. Now he's able to touch and observe the little critters at close distances and says he actually finds them fascinating. He hasn't noticed any changes to any other kinds of fears or anxieties. For, for example, he is equally as anxious about public speaking now as he was prior to the surgery. Uh, interesting. Wait, is... Is this advocating lobotomies? It's not. It's just saying that this particular instance, it did happen to cause this gentleman to lose his fear of I spiders. Amygdalotomies. Amygdalotomy. Yeah, it wouldn't a truly be a lobotomy, but still, I just, uh... I don't like cutting parts of people people's brains out. I just remember that Simpsons episode. Where Ned Flanders is like the ruler of the world, and he cuts part of your brain out. It's like he let they let he let you keep it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's weird. There are less invasive ways to get rid of fears. It's yeah. called shot to the face. When you're dead, you don't fear anything. No, well, that is technically true. Conditioning. But if you I ring the bell, I have to pee. Now there's a uh, uh, it's it's. It's got a different name. Yeah, I know. There's a name. I can't remember. What I just it don't is. remember what it is because it's been years since I did anything psych. Well, you know what time it is. It's time for no. Rofax to read the next story while I try to extract myself because I drank too much water. 
Scientists grow miniature human stomach cells from stem cells. Well, grow miniature human stomachs from stem cells, not yeah, stomach cells. Oh, whoops. Yeah, it's full on stomachs. Scientists grow miniature human stomachs from stem cells. This must have been in America. Any anywhere else, they wouldn't try to get more stomachs. Fat people. Jeez. Nom 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 nom. Scientists have grown miniature human stomachs from stem cells as a way of studying gastric disease such as ulcers and stomach cancer in, and in the future creating tissues to repair patients' stomachs. The mini stomachs are grown in petri dishes from stem cells. Fully formed, they are the size of a pea and shaped like a rugby ball. I, I don't. I'm not familiar with rugby. They are hollow with an interior lining that is folded into glands and pits like a real stomach. I assume that's what a rugby ball looks like as well. <laughs> it's full of glands and pits like a real stomach. I assume. <laughs> I don't watch sports ball much, so... Crucially, the researchers found that the miniature stomachs, known as gastric organoids, represent respond to infection very much like ordinary human stomachs. There hasn't been any good way to study human stomach diseases before because animals just don't get the same diseases, said James Wells, director of the pluripotent stem cell facility, Cincinnati, Cincinnati Children's Hospital Medical Center. I told you as in America, only here would we make more stomachs. Who led the research with, which is published in Nature. Human gastric diseases are associated with chronic infection by the bacterium Helico Helicobacter pylori. Half the world's population is infected with a bud, which can be picked up from food. Although most people do not show symptoms, once the infection is present, up to 20% of carriers will develop gastric ulcers during their life lifetimes. Around 2% will develop stomach cancer. In developing countries where H. pylori infection is more prevalent, gastric, gastric cancers are the second leading cause of cancer-related death. Having grown the mini stomachs, the researchers then injected them with H. pylori in animals. H. pylori has little effect and disease does not follow, but in gastric organoid, in gastric organoid the invading bacteria behaved as if it were in a real human stomach. The, bac the bacteria began injecting their proteins into their surrounding cells and started to multiply. This is the hallmark of infection, said Wells. We can now very effectively study the bacteria and how it generates diseases. This has never been possible before with human tissue in vitro. In vitro means outside of the, outside of the body. In vivo means inside the body. Good to okay. know. Okay, thank you. This is not the first time that miniature organs have been grown from stem cells. In 2013, scientists grew miniature kidneys and successfully transplanted them into a rat. Replacement windpipes grown from stem cells on lab-made lab scaffolds have also been grown and transplanted into patients. The stomach researchers are now investigating whether their techniques can be used to grow replacement stomach tissue for repairing ulcers, which are effectively holes in the stomach's lining. The technique which the team is testing on mice involves growing a suitable piece of replacement tissue and surgically introducing it to patch the hole. Growing the gastric organoids in the accumulation of three years is the accumulation of three years' work. It was not easy to learn how to generate these mini stomachs, but now we know how. It's quite straightforward. I'm expecting that. Wait, I'm expecting that is will become a widely used technique. Uh, said Wells. Yeah, that should be an it. Also, it's a culmination, not cumulation. 
culmination of three years' works. Okay, well there three you go. Three years' work. Expecting that it that is be, is will become. <laughs> yeah, it's, it it's become. poorly written. However, interesting story. I think um, not only are they doing oh. research like that, they're also doing the uh, you know patching for organs, which is a nice thing to think about because a lot of people do get ulcers and the like. That's true. That helps people. It's always good. And the idea of growing tiny little kidneys is fun because you could like grow a bunch of tiny little kidneys. <laughs> I have a bunch of kidneys in yeah. me. You, you need a kidney transplant? Have fifty. Oh my god! Why does your back look so bumpy? <laughs> <laughs> Those are my uh, kidneys. Don't yeah, punch kid- me in my kidneys. <laughs> kidney and bean soup could become a new thing. Oh. <laughs> all right. Well, next news story. Uh, if you're all finished. Yeah. is the switchboard judge rules police can compel a defendant to give up their fingerprint but not a passcode uh police can require cell phone fingerprints not passcodes a uh, circuit court judge has ruled that criminal defendants can be compelled to give up its fingerprints but not the passcode to allow police to op- open and search the cell phone elizabeth hewitt of virginia pilot reports the question of whether a phone's passcode is constitutionally protected service in the case of david bost an emergency medical service captain charged in February with trying to strangle his girlfriend. Uber's data could be a treasure trove for cities, but they're wasting the chance to get it. Cities are starting to pass laws requiring insurance background checks for services such as Uber. Wait, are we just a list of different stories in this article? Yeah, I just care about the first one. Uh, I I actually, yeah, I... That it was weird like that. the The first story, I I think it's actually a really important one because the fingerprint reading thing is kind of big with the iPhones and all. You know, oh, get in with the fingerprints. I think it's important to keep in mind that they can ask you to unlock your phone. And I actually agree with them because your fingerprint is a physical thing, much like a key, which they can compel you to give them a key. They can compel you to put your physical finger onto the phone. And this is why before I'm captured and for some reason I'm an idiot and decide to use my fingerprint to lock my phone, I'm just going to burn my thumbs and fingers off. You could also turn your phone off because when you turn it back on, you have to put in the password. But, you know, your way works too. (laughs) We'll do the men in black style of just burning off the fingerprints. No, but seriously, this fingerprint thing, and it's such a push right now. Everybody wants these unlocked fingerprint things. It creates... I mean, basically, you just have to realize that none of your data is going to be safe because at any point in time, they can compel you to unlock your phone. And the thing is, with a password, you can be like, oh, I forget what it is. Oh, I'll type it in. It's monkey123. Oh, it didn't work. Don't know why. But you can't do that with your fingerprint. You can't be like, no, I'm not going to unlock it because they will grab your finger and put it on the phone and it will unlock. This is why you use your penis and not your thumb. I don't want them grabbing that and putting it on the phone. But they don't know that. Ah, they'll just start running the phone yes, all the over knowledge you of until what, it unlocks. The knowledge of what print it is is not something they said they can compel. So yeah, no, use a toe, print. And like, a toe print. You will give me your fingerprints. Fine. Use every finger. Why didn't Okay, you okay. But you're, <laughs> you're telling me, Slothhead... When you want to open your phone for any reason, you're just going <laughs> to step on it with your foot. 
and more, you're going to put it down your pants. Well, it's easier to put it down my pants than take off my shoes and socks. I didn't say I'd do it. I'm just saying, you know, there are other organs you could shove up against your phone. <laughs> That's certainly true. And if you um, have tiny little back kidneys, you could use those too. I'll never guess it's my and, back kidney. And, you know, this is why we will continue to use passwords. Because a retina scan, a thumbprint, these are things that apparently we're able to be compelled to use. Yeah. Well, it's just like a key. It's a physical object, so, you know, if they can forcibly grab you and throw you in a prison cell, it stands to reason that they can forcibly grab you and put your hand on your phone. And they can forcibly grab you and put you in jail until you give them the passcode, too. Does, does that make it right? Well, no, it doesn't make it right. But they're talking about the constitutionality of it, and I, I think they have a pretty fair argument. Uh, and there is there is still a distinction. Even if they grab you and throw you in jail, you don't ever have to give up your passcode. Not if you don't want to. They can't pull the information out of your mind. Yeah. And I, uh, yeah, yet. And I, I don't think torture is allowed. I'm really a little fuzzy on that. As Hopefully torture to isn't a thing yet. I mean, for American citizens, anyway. Uh, you, you're no longer an American citizen sometimes. They like to pull yeah, that's that. True. that's true. I don't like the idea of torture. That's just, that's not okay. Well, Slothin, I believe it's your turn. The FBI faked a news website to catch a bomb threat suspect. The DEA isn't the only U.S. law enforcement agent using impersonations on the web to catch suspects. Seems the American Civil Liberties Union's Christopher Song Goyan has noticed documents showing that the FBI created a fake, spyware-laden version of the Seattle Times website to catch a teen bomb threat suspect in 2007. When the teen clicked the link to check out an equally fake Associated Press story, the hidden software installed itself and sent both the target's computers locate... computer... Lo the target computer's location, and its internet address to the officers. As you might gather, both civil, civil liberty advocates and media outlets are furious. How the does this FBI not... effectively conducted a phishing attack, and neither the AP nor the Times appreciate having their names and likenesses used without permission. Now, how... Did they send an email? Because otherwise people are going to go to the website and find that and get spyware on their system, too. Sorry. Continue <sighs> to read. Hopefully they'll enlighten us. The FBI is defending its use of the tactic. It claims that it only resorts to these fake sites in very rare circumstances, where it's likely to eliminate a threat, and it notes that the Times trickery ultimately led to a conviction after the culprit pled guilty. However, all it's saying is that the ends justify the means. This isn't really a defense of the act itself, which has its share of ethical and legal problems. For any civilian, running a phishing site would be a criminal offense. Also, the warrant request... Quest only said the FBI would install the software through communication, not that it would imitate others to achieve its goal. There aren't any signs of impending investigations into the case. The revelation certainly won't improve the FBI's chances of getting mandatory backdoor access to Americans' devices. It doesn't say how they did it. If they sent an email that had a news article that the kid clicked on, it could have been a link to anywhere, that's fine. I don't see whoa, how... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on, that's not fine. No, 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 I, I'm not saying it's fine. Okay. That makes okay. sense, okay? Well, they said only phishing get... attack, so that's my guess. Otherwise, anybody clicking on that is going to gain, or going to give access to FBI. <sighs> it's hard to say what happened. The story is kind of bullcrap. I, I mean, 
it just irritates me because how does the FBI have the right to, without permission, pretend to be the New York Times, Seattle Times, whoever it was? I think it's the Seattle Times. Seattle Times. How do they have the right to be like, oh, we're the Seattle Times? Anyone else does that, it's highly illegal, as it should be, because you know that's fraud. But the and they're like, oh, is there going to be an investigation? Nah, we're good. We got a conviction. It's fine. You can't do that. Ah, the link was sent to the suspect's MySpace account. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, he loses... It was 2007. Oh, it was 2007? Still, 2007. He loses points for being on MySpace. The guy may have been... You know, he's a bomber. I'm not defending the guy they were targeting in the case. Yeah, he was a bad guy. It's good they caught him. Bomb threatener. Okay, I don't, I don't know the story. I'm just saying it doesn't matter if the person was really a criminal or not. They impersonated, you know, a major newspaper. You can't go around saying you're somebody that you're not. And if I did it, I, which I want it because I don't want to be the Seattle Times, I'd go to jail. And how's it okay to just be like, oh, we're the FBI, so what, we're above the law? We can impersonate people now? That's okay? That, that's a thing? Ugh. Okay, I'm done with my rant. And if they knew who to send it to, why did they need it anyway? Alright, so uh, we're coming up on the end of the hour. It is time for hyperspeed. And, Slothan, did you just read that news story? Uh, I don't know. Who read that news story? Slothan did. Slothna did? Okay. Well then, Rofaxon start us off with some hyperspeed. Okay, Google to pay fine for showing woman's cleavage on Street View. Um, this is just a stupid story. I don't remember the exact... As, as some lady in Montreal said, yeah, it was, I mean, she wasn't naked. She was properly... Cause she's like, there's too much cleavage on me. I'm suing you for a million dollars. Anyway, that's pretty much it. Stupid, and she won. All right. Uh, breaking court breaking court refuses to intervene in case of 40,000 missing voters in Georgia. Basically, the voter registrations, they went missing. So these people are no longer registered to vote. That's kind of pertinent since today as we record it, it is voting time. But yeah, that's fine. Let's 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 not uh, let's not research that. And this was uh, posted on October 28th, so it's a little older and maybe i should have brought it up earlier but still that's frustrating exclusive evil body snatcher dug up my little girl's murdered body mummified her corpse then taunted me for 10 years grieving mother relives nightmare of seeing beloved daughter turned into a human doll 10 year old olga was murdered then body stolen from a hole in her coffin mad loner anatoly moskvin then turned her into a doll wearing lipstick he kept her as part of a macabre collection of mummified corpses in a ro- in his room uh, the mother suffered nine years of agony after he left notes on the grave. She discovered her daughter's body had been snatched for sick museum. Now Olga is buried in a new grave and Anatoly is locked up in an asylum. That's fucking creepy, crazy, and thanks for that news story, Robaxon. And if, if you go to the show notes, yes, there are pictures. And uh, my favorite quote from the guy is, They just buried her in the ground. I took her out and gave her a place to live or something like that. It's just It was, it was super creepy. Uh, uh, okay, why am I looking at these? I don't want to see this. Yeah, it's not okay. All right, Rofaxon, news story. Anyway, 
you can try Sony's VR headset at the PlayStation Experience. Basically, this is talking about their headset called Project Morpheus. This is competing with things like the Oculus Rift. Super cool because virtual reality is really becoming a thing and mainstation because that is PlayStation. All right. And last news story of the week, Amelia Earhart playing Fragment Identified. A uh, piece of aluminum debris discovered in 1991 appears to have belonged to Amelia Earhart's lost plane. Yay! Yay! I don't know how they can figure that out, but yay! So they may have found where she may have blew up or whatever happened to her. Fun, right? Mm. Alright, anyway, where can we find you online, Rofaxon? At Rofaxon on Twitter, and the best place right now is... um. YouTube, just search Rofaxon channel and you'll see me there. I'm also on Facebook, I think, as Rofaxon and Google Plus and uh, Android Play Store. Play Store. Yeah. Android Play Store, yeah. Oh. Where you can get that fantastic app. What is that fantastic app called? Beer Judging. Ah, oh, Beer Judging. What a fantastic app that is. Yeah. You yeah. can try it for free, but you can also pay for it if you'd like to support. Anyway, yes. Slothin, where can we find you online? Twitter, Tumblr, not really Google+, and on YouTube, on Rofaxon's channel, where you can see me making terrible, terrible jokes. About particular elements and former popular singers. <laughs> Constantly. <laughs> anyway, uh, I can be found as Lauren Law on Twitter and my anime list, but everywhere else I can be found as Cure Studios, for example, on Twitter, Tumblr, and Google+. Thank you for listening to today's show. We welcome to visit our site at curestudios.galaxyradio.com or galaxy15radio.com, where you can click on the donation button found at the top of the page to give us a boost of moral support. Um, what did I say after that? Sorry, I, I, I lost my place. Uh, also, if you have any feedback or news for the show, please send an email to curestudios at gmail.com. If you like our show, please subscribe, and just for fun, let your friends and possibly family know about us by giving them copies of our show. How? Slothin'. See what you need to do is you need to uh, find a place that has ground of a particular composition. And then you need to dig deep enough to find that part of the ground. And you need to collect that. And then you need to form that. And you need to take that and you need to mix in chemicals that um, cause people pain on contact. And then you need to form that into a statue. And then you can form it into the face of a particular... Um, uh, celebrity, and uh, and it'll be a statue, and it'll oh, cause God. people to ache whenever they touch it, and uh, it'll be a clay statue that will make you ache, oh, and you will stop it. <laughs> the name plate <laughs> will say Aiken Clay Statue. <laughs> For more information, go to Galaxy Fifteen Radio. Blah 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 blah. Whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> I should have picked Rofaxon. <laughs> you should have not reminded me of the Aiken Clay. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> anyway, the opening song is Black Runners by Spleen, which can be found on Jimena.com, and today's closing song is Outer Space Corella by Sand Nash, uh, which can be found on SoundCloud.com. We leave you now to duct tape rockets to your heels and fly into the night like a German dynamo. 9875432 Blast off.
Let the bass kick. 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 Let the b